stay informed and ahead of the game. The Radio Tab Breakfast Show. As someone who else is very astute and very good at what he does, and he's a great mate of yours, he's the chief sports writer for the Courier Mail in Robert Crash Craddock. Being Monday, Crash is always with us. Crasher, good morning and welcome back for the first time this year. Oh, Paul, it's just great to be back and uh, hearing your dulcet tones and Ben, and well done, Ben. You've made a... I just got a text a minute ago from a, ch- a listener who said you've made a bigger splash today than that horse that escaped at the Gold Coast and jumped <laughs> into the canal. So oh, stop how it, How good's that? Oh, <laughs> stop it. Wowee. You've just completely pulled that out of left field and made it up, I may suggest, but thanks anyway, old mate. <laughs> hey, I tell you, you know how the trainers have these uh, recorded uh, reports on their horses? Wouldn't that have been a classic? Because they're normally in monotone, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, escaped from the barrier, went down a canal. Uh, they had to rescue it out of the canal. Like, it just would have been one of the all-time well, great sermons, wouldn't it? At least you know, Crash, next start, you know it's a wet tracker. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, when you start. say he's a swimmer, we, we believe that. Hey, Crash, look, just I was just thinking uh, about something before. Uh, ben being from Tasmania, and we had this discussion, or we saw this discussion with the Prime Minister about this new stadium proposal for an AFL team coming out of Tassie, and he said, no, if he goes down there, it's got to be a multi-purpose venue, and it can't just be in Hobart, it's got to be AFL played in other parts of the States. What are your thoughts on both from both of you? Ben, you first. Well, firstly, I'm not Tasmanian. I, I don't know where you pulled that from. That's well, a... you were telling me your mum was from Dover. What well, doesn't... No, I said she lived down there towards the end of her life. That doesn't make me Tasmanian. That's highly offensive, Paul Tortell. Take that back immediately. Look, I think uh, an AFL team in Tassie would be fabulous. However, the one thing saying that, isn't it? Just the corporate support and the cash... They need to make it work. I sense they want to, will they? I don't know. What do you reckon, Crash? I think it'll get there eventually, but um, I think the the push for a new stadium is a little bit extravagant, to to be honest with you. I've just felt that, you know, just going down there for test matches uh, in cricket, um, you know, over a lot of years. I love Bellarive, the the, uh, or Blunston Arena, as it's now called. You know, it's scenic, it's wonderful, but it's still very small. And I think it it is a quantum leap for them to get to, to, to the standard of the financial sustenance that all other AFL teams come. It's a beautiful dream, but the numbers have to work. And I don't mind the fact they're taking their time because they're they're looking at every which way to make it work. Will they get there? I I think they will eventually, but it's going to take even more time. Now, uh, you're overrated and underrated. Well, I'm sitting in the departure lounge at the Sydney airport and uh, and I, I just sort of... So all things Sydney are on my mind after that test, but just the Sydney cricket ground pitch. I mean, year after year we turn up down here and it's just the original nothing burger pitch. You know, Australia's had... Uh, th- won only three times here in nine years, but it hasn't lost. You know, just all these rained out draws and the flat deck, we pump up the spinners, but you know what? The spinners struggle here. It's the most overrated spinners deck in the country. Between the years 2010 and 2020, spinners average 50 runs per wicket in tests at the SCG. I'm dying for them to just shave it, you know, and just, just have this Bunsen burner minefield. That's what I thought they'd do, Paul going to India in a month's time. But yet again, the Sydney Cricket Ground wicket disappointed. 
What about your underrated crush? Underrated? Well, I, I, I feel the Big Bash right at the moment is not hugely underrated, but a lot of us had written it off, and it's coming back. It, it, it's just rising nicely in the saddle. It's just the crowds are improving, the standard of play is improving, the um, you know, and, and the television ratings are improving. They've got a little bit to work with now. The matches are better, so I, I'm not I'm not saying it's wow. It's the Big Bash seven years ago when they sold out every seat for the Gabba in five home games. They sold out every seat. That'll never return. But it's just, just, just getting somewhere at the moment. And also, Travis Head is an off spinner. He will. I'm tipping him to have a ten wicket test tour of India in four tests, and that's really useful from a uh, a, a part time bowler. He darts it in. He puts a bit of fizz in it, and those sort of bowlers do well in Indian decks. They dig into the deck. So, look, I'm tipping um, T Head will take more wickets than Ashton Agar in, in India. That may not sound like a big statement, but he's just a smidge under. Some of the big issues of the cricket summer uh, crash weren't actually the performances on the field. They were things like the bad light at the SCG, Mm. the DRS, the the controversial catches. What do you think? uh, What do you make of those two issues? What does cricket need to do better in regards to both of those? Put the fan first, you know? Like, like the, what about the light meter at the SCG? It can't factor in lights it can only do natural light <laughs> so it, it, in other words it, it can pick up the sun's rays but it can't pick up the light uh, uh, generated from the giant light towers i give up officially honestly let's go back to thomas edison seriously i mean it's just the fan comes second all the time now both captains dean elgar and pat cummins said this they said look at times when it's dark, it is dangerous out there if you're a fieldsman. You cannot see the ball. But, you know, jockeys uh, uh, compete on wet tracks. You know, we see motor racing go around on wet tracks. I just feel cricket. It, it, it's just Alan Border, who's not sitting not far from me in this lounge, he once said that he never once came off for bad light in his career. And he played test cricket for 17 years when he couldn't have, wouldn't have been possible for him to stay on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I just think that they're, they're trying to develop a pink ball for test cricket that, that, that can work. And, and I hope they do because I just think these tests like Sydney, they just leave everyone cold, Ben. Crash, just a quick one. You mentioned Alan Border there. That the work you did with the AB story on Fox has been absolutely sensational. Yeah, we sat down for four or five hours at his home in Brisbane and Paul, I found him astounding during that time. By the end of the interview, when I was driving home, I actually pulled over to the side of the road because my head was really fuzzy, just concentrating. AB could have gone on for another two or three hours. Just his ability to tell a story. And, and you know what I loved about it? He's just got no raps on himself. Like he gave himself six out of ten as a player and a captain. My God. This is the man who used to face Walsh, Ambrose, Marshall, Holding and Garner and, and, and look him in the eye and stare him down. Like... We owe him so, I'm so glad we did that documentary and Ben because it just, you, you had to see some of that footage to know how brave he was. And, and you must remember, and here's a small thing. These days, captains are surrounded by media teams who look after them. AB had none of that. If you wanted Alan Border, you used to ring him at home 
and, and I can I just can parrot off his home number now three seven. I won't I won't go <laughs> into it all. But it, but if you said name it, I could name it. And that's because I rang it so often. And I was one of twenty journalists who would ring his home number. Like no wonder he was badgered so much. And he used to answer the home phone, hello, and I'd say, I wonder why he answers it like that. Then I went to his home and realised he got one call every two minutes. <laughs> you know my favourite bit of the documentary crash? I thought the entire three parts were brilliant, but I loved his brutal honesty uh, towards the end when he talks about his own captaincy and says, you know what, he says, if I had my time again, he said, I would have wrapped my arms around some of these new blokes coming to the team a bit more tickled their tummies, given them a bit of love. He said, I came into this team, you know, in a really hard stage. You know, it was a product of my environment. But he said, some of these guys, if I'd have given them a bit more love, they might have played another 20, 30, 40 tests. They might have scored another three, four thousand 4,000 test runs. It was fascinating, wasn't it? It's a great point you make, Ben. And it all crystallised to him when he went to the West Indies a year after he retired as a commentator. And they won the Frank Worrell Trophy. They beat the West Indies and he was in the dressing room and Stephen Waugh chatted to him and AB just opened up and they said, OK, let's... The, the manager said, time for the bus, boys. And Steve Waugh said, hang on, hang on. I've been waiting for this conversation for 10 years. And in the 10 years they played together, Border and Waugh never had a long conversation. And Alan really regretted that because he said that was the era. He said, we played in the era. There was no sports psychologist. There was no softness there. You were having problem. Hey, take a cement pill and toughen up. And so, yes, you're 100% right. Uh, history is strewn with, with cricketers that just needed a cuddle and didn't get one. I'll give you one now. Kerry O'Keefe, the great commentator. He really talented leg spinner, but just full of insecurities and just needed a, a cuddle. And I feel now, this is what Brendan McCullum, and Pat Cummins are doing. You know, do you, do you want to know why Travis Head's batting well? It's because Pat Cummins says to him, Hey, mate, Trav, just go out and be yourself, mate. I love the way you hit the ball. Oh, I wish I could hit it like you. If you if you fail, mate, I don't I don't really care. It doesn't worry me. Just have a crack, mate. And, and he's liberated, and off he goes. How good is that? What did we learn from the from the <coughs> test summer from an Australian point of view? Do, are we sort of overrating the Australian performance because the South Africans were so bad? And, of course, we're going to India and then we can't wait for the Poms. What can we look forward to going forward? OK, we learnt that we still don't know who our second spinner is, and that's an issue. Heads tidy. Agar, to me, I was disappointed with him in Sydney. His body language looks subdued. When you're a left-arm finger spinner, you've got to leave not one crumb on your plate. You've got to be on the same spot all the time and probing away as accurate as you can possibly be. It's a really hard trade. He's not there yet. Uh, I think Swepson will go to India and they'll, they'll have a crack with him. I think we learned that we're very good, but... The greatness will be measured in the next six months. I mean, India, hey, they've won their last 30 series. But what about this? In their last 14 series, they've lost just two tests at home. So last 30 series at home, I mean, India. And last 14 series, two tests they've lost. So they're really hard to beat. But for all that, Ben, and you're going to say that India will win again, they've got cracks. Rishabh Pant was in a car accident. He won't be there. That throws him out. Coley hasn't scored a test century for a while. You know, uh, Jadeja has been injured with a knee injury. They've, Boomer's been out with a the back. They've just maybe we can get these guys. You know, it's a, 
this is one of the most iconic series of the of the of the century. This one, it's it's big, and then England, they're baseball, they're super aggressive play. That's a that's another that's another fascinating encounter. But I, I, this is a happy team, Ben Cummins has made them happy. They're, they're relaxed, and when you're relaxed, happy, and focused, it's amazing what you can do. One thing that stood out to me, Crash, in this last test is when Cameron Green was injured and unavailable. How difficult was to to find a replacement for him? I know he hasn't got a Test match century yet, and just the one fifer. Yeah. But he really is a talented cricketer, and he's got an Australian cricket going forward. But there is no like for like for him in here in Australia, and very few teams around the world would have a player like him. No, and I felt we got our team wrong in Sydney, Paul. I, I thought that Kerry should have batted six, and we played five bowlers. Scott Boland would have had a good Test here. He'd have taken like, on this. Like, that, that, that's his forte. So I think if Green's out in India and they reckon he'll miss probably the first test, they've got to be bold. Pick Carey at six, and, and you know you've got to find a way through this Indian batting lineup. You've got to take a chance to win in India. You can't just play conventional cricket over there. You've got to get some, you know, with with with, with a really good attack. And the test series, four tests in five weeks, the bowlers will be exhausted. So, but you're right about Cameron Green. It's a terrific point you made. His stats don't take the, uh, your breath away, but his little five wicket haul in Melbourne w- w- was outstanding. He hasn't been hitting him that well with the bat to 30 and 40, isn't he? And so much relies on him on India. If he can play in that series, Australia will play a beautifully balanced team. If he doesn't play, no matter which team they field, they will feel it's not quite right. Crash, I have a feeling, uh, I'm not sure if you're on this, but I reckon Dave Warner's manager, or perhaps his wife, might have chosen the player of the series. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I couldn't have found him at all off the strength of one knock. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, uh, my uh, great uh, uh, journalistic partner, Ben Horn. Uh, he thought when Dave's name was announced, he said, let's get to the bottom of this, and he did, and he made about 10 phone calls on it. The bottom line to David Warner, getting the man of the series, was that the voting was 3-2-1, which is not the way you should do it on a very short series, because you can, it should be three go- three people sitting at a table on the last day of the series and say, who do we think's the man of the series? When you do it on a 3-2-1 basis, and they, the, all the, all, and they, what happened was, Travis Head got all the three votes in Brisbane, uh, David Warner got all the three votes in Melbourne and Usman Khawaj got the three votes in Sydney. So they had to split who was the best man of the match. That's what it came down to. And they thought because Warner got 200, he was the most spectacular man of the match. Who was undersold? Travis Head. Because that 92 he made on the Nightmare Brisbane deck was the innings of the series for mine. It won Australia the test. It destroyed South Africa, and he made two other half-centuries, Travis Head, a quick pace too. So I thought if you were sitting at a table, Travis Head should have won it. Ben, that said, four Australian batsmen finished with just over 200 runs. Kawaja, Smith, um, Head, and also, uh, not Labuschagne, uh, someone else, Warner. So they, they finished bunched, and there was no standout bowler. Pat Cummins finished with 12 wickets. So it, it was always going to be a slightly curious choice, but yeah, it should have been, should have been Travis Head. But, but Ben, it wasn't it interesting? We, I just mentioned the Sydney cricket ground deck and how I don't rate it before. What is a good cricket deck? I mean, everyone bagged the Brisbane wicket, which was the test over in two days, but it was furious entertainment. It had the whole country talking cricket. You know? well, I totally agreed with what you wrote after that, 
uh, test crash. And, and yes, the curator up here put his hand up and said, look, I stuffed it up. It shouldn't have been over in two days. But I am getting bloody sick of all these flat, predictable 400 mm, versus mm. 400. Is there anything wrong with having a bit of, mm. you know... Yep. Sort of niggling a test wicket, a bit of greenery, oh, yeah. a bit of spice. I mean, yep. batsmen have had it so good for so long, haven't they? Which brings me mm. to my next question. Mancad, where mm. do you stand mm. on it? Oh, I, I'm completely... I've jumped the fence, Ben. For 30 years, I wrote that it was a, a very poor act and a, and a heinous act. But batsmen have been warned and warned and warned again. And uh, I just think that I have zero sympathy for any batsman who gets mancatted. Um, I think... And I changed when I spoke to an umpire and he said to me, you know what, mate, you should be in my position. You look down and you try and spot a bowler's foot landing and if it's one millimetre over the crease, it's a no ball, you spot that with your left eye, all right? And he said, in your peripheral vision at the other side, you see a batsman halfway across the bass straight. Like, he, he's gone. And he said, oh, that's all right. That's the way we do it in cricket. He's allowed to float. So he said, with my left eye, I, I'm, I'm penalising the bowler. And the batsman's too... So I, I just think batsmen have had enough warnings. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I knew old Bill Brown, who was the guy who was man-catted initially in 1947. And he said, mate, it was my fault. I deserve what I got. And uh, Vinu Mancad and, and Bill, you know, they, they ended up okay. Vinu's son made a special pilgrimage from Calcutta to Bill's home in Castledine to have morning tea with him to make sure that Bill was okay with the decision. This is 50 years after it happened. Crash, we've got to talk about the Brisbane Broncos, but we, before we leave cricket, we've got to talk about South Africa now. The only tests they will play home this summer is two tests against the West Indies in, in uh, March and April. That's the only test cricket they will have. Yep. They yep. have got 28 tests scheduled over the next four years. Yep. Clearly, they were totally outplayed against Australia. Yep. I know they didn't have Devin Peterson here. I know Quentin de Cox retired at 38 and Markham was unavailable. They would have made a difference to their batting. But something is wrong there. The administration has been changed a number of times and it seems as though they're putting a lot of emphasis now on white ball cricket simply for financial purposes. Yeah, they've gone bust, basically. And as Dean Elgar said yesterday, their currency is just, uh, you know, just so poor that they're in serious strife. So they've sold the new 2020 competition starting in January, of which every team's been bought by IPL teams. So there's no room for test matches. My old mate, Neil Manthorpe, the South African journalist, when he got off the plane in Brisbane and the doors flew open at customs, the first thing he said to me on December 8 was, are you ready for the full 11 days of this test series? We're going to get slaughtered. Like, he knew this was coming. Paul, it's sad. And there's so much... Dean Elgar at his press conference yesterday said, there are things happening that I cannot tell you which affected what happened here. Now, I don't know what they were, but South Africa always has trouble behind the scenes with its racial quotas, you know? And uh, I know there's continued anxiety. I mean, I see little things. Like, here's one thing. Their fast bowler in Giddy, for me, just to the naked eye, honestly... He, he honestly looked about six kilograms overweight. He, he just didn't look fit the whole time. And, and I thought, is anyone cracking the whip there? You know, so, you know, little things behind the scenes are, are really unsettling them. But I, I'm worried about them because I think they're gone and may never be back. This great nation that beat Australia in Australia three times, I mean, they will never play another Boxing Day test. They're not down to play one ever again. 
to, to come at that time. So it, it, it worries me because they're the sort of nation... India will always be India. Australia will always be Australia. England will always be England. But Test cricket can't just be three nations. And this and, and South Africa are in a nosedive. And I don't see how they get out of it. I really don't. Well, what we don't want to have here in, in, in Australia, Ben, is what we just had this last summer where we have two summers out of four, India and England, and it's sensational. Then we have West Indies and South Africa where it's just a complete non-event with the tests. Yeah, I mean, Crash, you were there. So, I mean, you know, I obviously former, formerly covered cricket. So when you're sitting in a press box close to the action, maybe you get a different take on it. But to be honest, I found the summer, this summer, largely, the test summer that is, largely boring. It yep. was so yep. predictable. Uh, you kind of knew what was going to happen before it happened. And that's the worst kind of sport to me. You want, you know, we, we love the great unpredictability of sport, don't we? That's what makes it so great. That's why we love it. And there was none of that this summer. So to me, it was a pretty flat old summer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I felt it, Ben, in, in this game. You know, we love a contest. And South African captains of the past, too, were, were, were tough. I remember Graham Smith deliberately stirring up Warney once, you know, and, and sort of saying, oh, gee, shame Warney has some egg on his face. I mean, that's brave in an Australian summer. Faf Duplessis, you know, he used to love it when David Warner came at him really hard because it's fired him up. And his greatest record was against Australia. There was none of that this summer. Australia had a plan to take out Dean Elgar and he averaged 10 for the series. He was the only wicket that mattered. And, and, you know, it was just, yeah, sure, Australia were good, but gosh, they were weak, South Africa. And that, that's a hard sentence to say because I, I really have liked watching them play over the years. And even when they came out of the apartheid era, when they were had none of the facilities they got today, they were just tough, raw-boned characters, callous and all these guys. There was none of that. No fibre whatsoever, Ben. Crusher, unfortunately we're out of time and we wanted to talk to you about Selwyn Cobbo and the Brisbane Broncos. So we might catch up with you a little bit later in the week to get you a, a comment on that, if that's OK with you. Sure, yes. It's, I've got plenty to say on that, obviously. Extremely embarrassing and unsettling issue for the Brisbane Broncos. And... Uh, you know, they're, uh, they've got some questions to ask and answer. So, but it's been great to chat, boys. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Crash. There he is, Robert Crash Craddock. And we will get him back in the next couple of days to uh, to do that.